Hello, welcome back to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla and I never really know being a podcast newbie if I should do a full-on introduction every episode, but I also have to consider this might be the first episode in my podcast you're listening to, so welcome. I haven't been as consistent with episodes recently because like everyone else I caught COVID and this is probably the best my voice has sounded for a while but you may just still have to put up with my nasally voice, hopefully no coughing fits. This COVID really has a long tail, I was only crook for three to four days and I got a lot better but I haven't returned to baseline. Uh, As I'm recording this today, it's two weeks since symptoms started so maybe I'm just being really impatient. Um, It's been really hard to minimize physical exertion, but also being really conscious that pushing too hard now um, could have long-term health impacts. And a few runs too early or just trying to do too much too soon just isn't worth it. I've literally managed a couple of jogs and a light strength, well, some light strength work in the last two weeks. I have enjoyed lots of walks, which is great, keeps me sane. But yeah, a pretty huge reduction in usual weekly training volume. It's really interesting, even talking to other people as well, just how variable the virus is. Like Harry was obviously isolating at home with me and we made no effort to not spread it between us because we kind of were just like, well, Harry's probably going to catch it. I was literally having coughing fits making us meals and like no effort at all to not give him the virus and he never caught it. And then the day I got out of isolation, I caught up with a beautiful friend and she came down with COVID three days later. And I can't help but feel really bad and paranoid that I possibly gave it to her on my day eight or nine. And yet Harry never caught it. It's just so bizarre. So weird. So weird. Anyway, today I am doing a bite-sized episode on hypothalamic amenorrhea. And for the sake of the mouthful that that word is, I will just refer to it as HA. Now this is quite topical amongst the clients I see because it is a common issue amongst athletic females and to be fair, females in general, you don't just have to be sporty to suffer from HA. It can be caused purely from undernutrition, from overexercise or stress, but most commonly it's a bit of a combination of all three. So a normal menstrual cycle is defined as one that is between 21 and 35 days long. And if we're looking at the average textbook example that's always used, they say a cycle is 28 days long. With HA, you can have really long cycles or cycles that just don't happen at all. And that could be like maybe you're getting one every couple of months and it might be really light or maybe you just haven't had one at all for like six months. Hopefully by that point you've sourced some medical intervention. And I guess the best way to think of it is there's a wee center in your brain called the hypothalamus, and I like to talk about this, it's like the HR department, right? And it makes the decisions for your body. (laughs) So every month, the HR department up there decides whether your body is in a safe place to ovulate or not. So ultimately, it's thinking, is your body safe to fall pregnant or not? So the hypothalamus, if it decides not to ovulate, then it's basically the body's trying to protect you. It, it's got some feedback from your body and it's like, hey, we're really undernourished or really stressed and man, we're doing so much exercise, like this just isn't a safe space for us to ovulate and try and get pregnant. 
So that's how that works. Um, <clears throat> if, however, you're healthy and happy and everything's um, merry and working well, then your hypothalamus then goes, yep, we are all good to ovulate. It sends a little message down to the pituitary gland and the pituitary gland releases two hormones called luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone and they then get a wheat egg ready for release and ovulation, basically. So what causes it? Now, to focus on specific dietary factors here, undernutrition. So that's one of the key causes is not eating enough food. This can be intentional, so by that I'm meaning disordered eating or a full-blown eating disorder, or it can be unintentional as well. And that might be someone, maybe they've just headed off to uni for the first time and they're trying to cook for themselves and the meals are a bit haphazard, they're relying on two-minute noodles, whatever it is, and maybe they haven't packed lunch and then they go skipping meals and they're busy with uni work. And suddenly it's just an organization thing or, you know, not thinking much about food. So suddenly they're not eating enough. Um, it could be due to poor appetite or sometimes I do see like if someone's suffering really badly from dietary intolerances, they are quite fearful of food and then just not knowing what to eat and feeling overwhelmed. They're just not eating enough. Um, and some people just not really realizing how much they need to eat so maybe someone's a newbie to like endurance sport or running and they've really ramped up their training load like on zero to ten hours training over a matter of time but they haven't increased their food intake to match that massive output and you know not intentionally doing that it could be unintentional with specific diets um not to pick on plant-based eating here at all, but I just want to highlight an important factor here. More plant-based foods in our diets are great, but what can happen is people following, say, vegetarian or veganism or um, plant-based style of eating, say, tend to eat a lot of fiber and roughage. So that's from, you know, fruit and vegetables, nuts and seeds, grain foods, lentils, legumes, all of that goodness, which is great and so important for our health and fiber is amazing. But when you're eating a lot of it, what can then happen is it's like roughage, right? It's filling and it's bulky and you eat your meals that are full of fiber and you feel full before you get enough energy in. If you can kind of see where the issue starts to come up there, so if you're doing that like over days and weeks, suddenly, yeah, you're eating heaps of volume, but the energy density is just not there and that in itself can cause issues. In addition to that, with specific diets, I am always quite conscious of when um, the style of eating they're currently undertaken started. So if someone is vegan, did, and they've got disordered eating, did that start long before the disordered eating or did it come as part of, in a way, to restrict specific foods? That's also something I always try and nut out because that's important because otherwise it's a way of eating that they're just trying to mask disordered eating behaviours. Um, and other specific diets as well, so low-carb diets... If you're a female in reproductive years, please be careful. Um, it doesn't matter if you're getting heaps of energy through you know, healthy fats and a little bit of protein. If you're 
really restricting carbs, it can still mess with your cycle. So just be careful, especially if you're super active, you need those carbs. Um, but most often what I would see amongst all of this is intentional restriction. So, you know, purely disordered eating, um, with an element of overexercise or not. Sometimes it's just um, one or the other, but usually a combination. So that's where there is some serious input needed. Now, relative energy and deficiency in sports, so REDS, HA is a key component of that from a female perspective. And it's kind of cool that as a female, you have a feedback system each month to tell you how things are going. And if suddenly things go a bit haphazard and your cycle has gone missing, um, obviously um, you want to work out what's going on there. So yeah, and then with men, it's a bit trickier because it's it's not always as obvious under fueling. There's a lot of little symptoms um, that can become quite major symptoms over time, but initially it's not always that clear. Testosterone can sometimes be a good marker. Um, but again, you know, it's not just something that shows up each month and, you know, you get some feedback. It generally requires further tests and things. So yeah, um, definitely if you're a female, track your cycle, track your symptoms and, um, keep an eye on it because it's a pretty cool feedback system for you. So if you start to have any irregularities or random symptoms popping up, it may be HA, but it can also be other conditions. And it's important that whatever's going on is diagnosed and then um, the appropriate interventions are then undertaken. Because irregular cycles and, and things like that can also be other things like polycystic ovarian syndrome. So it doesn't always just mean it's HA. You need to know what's going on. So what to do? Well, ideally go straight to a specialist and that could be an endocrinologist, which is basically a doctor who's a master of all things hormones, or it could be a gynecologist who are like the experts of women's health. And then once whatever's going on is then known and diagnosed, then appropriate care can be taken. And if it's something like HA, you know, you might consider looking at psychology input, especially if there's an element of disordered eating or an eating disorder. Obviously a dietitian, because they can... Um, help educate you on everything that's unique for you with food and your needs and just helping you navigate all of that nutrition noise out there and know what's right for you. Um, and possibly too, in the mix, I mean, you'll probably have a, a, the specialist as well or a doctor, um, but a coach. And from that perspective, I'm talking about someone who has a good understanding of this kind of thing. And... If you're someone who has a tendency to maybe ramp up training too much or overtrain, it can be helpful to have someone oversee that and um, have a more realistic and safe way for you to, you know, a plan for you to follow um, to undertake your training, which can be another good consideration as well. So that's that. Um, it's very bite-sized. I feel like I haven't given it justice, but I do try and keep these short and sweet. Um, thought-provoking and I guess opening up conversations. Um, I'm definitely going to have more in-depth ones on these or women's health topics coming up, um, hopefully alongside Sarah who's been on my previous podcast recently. 
And yeah, I guess if you have any questions or um, topics around this that you would like to have discussed, then please get in touch. Otherwise, this is it for the week. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. And if you have any questions or feedback, I would love to hear from you.